I see, mates, um, the batteries is tied into this. I, As we're talking about this now, I see this decade as being the decade of decentralization. We're going to see a huge uptake in blockchain. Um, so not just Bitcoin and uh, we're actually going to start seeing some valuable products being developed. We're going to see start some of the internet moving more and more towards blockchain and you know real real life value coming from them rather than you know this kind of tokeny stuff that we're we're really dealing with at the moment. We're also seeing the um, the the same thing happening in the energy sphere, and so something to bear in mind is the coal the coal plants um, and oil is very centralized it's very controlled around a resource sitting in one particular location controlled by one particular company whereas when we're talking solar we've got farmers in australia who are now transferring their land from being you know grazing land and putting solar farms on it and you know they're paying those things off in just a few years nothing at all and then they've got this this solar farm sitting there generating electricity generating them consistent income and that's incredible and we're seeing the same thing happen with microgrids and batteries and wind and everything else is associated with it everyone's going to be able to put solar farm solar you know uh, on top of their houses or we might get to the point they don't even need to do that there might be more community uh solar solar um panels somewhere or there might be one particular person who's generating so much fucking electricity that within the microgrid of your community uh you're able to sustain yourselves um with all the electricity that you need and so this is huge and so you can see that there's um there's big incentives for certain companies to to try and slow this down as much as possible yeah but even the even the companies that own coal-fired power stations and stuff like that have made commitment. Huge companies have made commitments to go to get out of that game. Now they're like AGL and NG and and guys like that. Now they are companies that have kind of sold that as "Hey, we're going green," but there's a financial reason. They spend more time than anyone studying these markets and they know what the future is. So to me that's a big like sort of, you know, divining rod or whatever, a bit of a, uh, a clear indicator of where stuff's going. I love that idea of that it's the decade of decentralisation that you brought up because it makes a huge amount of sense and sharing the energy across the grid from generating it in a lot of different locations is, is pretty awesome really. Um, uh, one of the big centralised um, probably uh, still centralised uh, generation sort of ideas is still nuclear and even fusion potentially into the future. Uh, but nuclear fission talk to, is talk to still me about nuclear something. And- well, I guess, you know, after... I think most of us have watched that Bill Gates documentary where he's looked into, um, uh, I suppose, these new types of nuclear power plants. And there seem to be 
people that are inventing stuff that's on a smaller scale. And most of the old nuclear technology, most of the plants that exist are built off very old sort of designs and technologies, but there's so much regulation around the space that it actually is pretty difficult to get a new project up and running and actually get it on the ground. And the public just doesn't have the appetite for it, um, despite it being quite a clean way to Do you think uh, Australia? Electricity. Do you think Australia will ever have a nuclear power plant, Lockie? Not a big one. So I think nuclear is pretty much dead as an idea um, unless they can get it really, really small. And so yeah, people that's, may, that's really may have interesting take. People may have tiny nuclear power plants on their f- to power certain things, you know. That that may be an idea, you know. You might have one for a neighborhood or something or even smaller. You might have one power a, a mine or something. I don't know. That's just my take with no evidence. <laughs> it's just my gut feel of the public sentiment. I um I encountered a few uh, interesting people and articles the other day uh, because there's been a there's kind of been a resurfacing of of nuclear and it almost seems to coincide with yeah obviously the Gates you know the Gates doco as well but obviously fusion fusion is the um you know it's the prize it's the prize that awaits and it's the the prize that uh, we potentially need to get to in order f- to, um, you know, particularly from like a space travel perspective, et cetera. But also arguably if you're going that far into, into fusion, uh, which mind you is, is in all, from what I've read, is not going to be something that happens this decade. You know, we're still, hmm. we're still a long way away from, from fusion. And so the, the, the next gen... Uh, fission reactors that are getting spoken about also aren't here yet um, in, in a way that is um, that is you know able to be built on a you know a commercial scale or whatever you call commercial in the in the space of nuclear industrial scale is probably the word, probably the word and so um, as far as what I've read about it is yeah fission is uh, is dead in the water compared to to, to renewables um, but there's obviously this there's this big gap in between that you kind of need to continue doing the R&D around it all so that you can maybe eventually get to this fusion and and so it's quite an interesting place but from from what I yeah from what it sounds like you know Australia certainly won't ever have nuclear uh, nuclear is being pushed by um, certain companies and certain people um, to to try and keep the keep the mission going, but uh, as far as the economics uh, and the yeah the economics of it all stand up, it's it just doesn't look like a, uh, a feasible option. Fusion seems to me like something that might be more useful. In might fusion would be awesome, but it seems to me to have more of like a space. Um, mm application.
is like more stuff's getting automated, whether it's through robotics or computer machine learning or whatever. Um, but energy generation, say, getting cheaper and more decentralised in a place like Australia, I think the combination of those things might mean that we actually bring a lot of manufacturing back to Australia um, and that we start building stuff in the country again by the end of the decade. But th- that the connectivity of the internet and other things will probably have an effect on white-collar work, what what sort of blue-collar work went through when everything got offshored. So low-hanging sort of white-collar work may end up getting either offshored or automated and disrupted in a, in a much more meaningful way than just the, say, or Detroit getting decimated because everything got moved offshore in America for actually making cars. Some of that, some of that sort of stuff might might actually come back to uh, you know developed nations. That's so yeah. That's a really fascinating take, mate. Uh, it's like you're seeing a. That'll be interesting. Well, I, I first of all agree. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Like white-collar white collar workers are going to take a huge hit this decade um, with, with automation, with artificial intelligence. Um, and it's fascinating what you talk about, the kind of the blue-collar, the, you know, the harder industries, car, you know, having a resurgence. And that's, there's a definite possibility of that, right? And... I wouldn't. I don't think it will be like it used to be, though. I think the way it will make a resurgence no. is if there is a lot more automation through the entire process, and there's people controlling huge portions of the supply or the manufacturing chain uh, themselves, as opposed to looking at one particular section or something um, or one particular part. Uh, but that seems that seems feasible. the The challenge is is you know building the infrastructure that that doesn't exist here. Like very little, very little infrastructure, particularly when you compare it to the the likes of um, China uh, or Taiwan or the, you know the other big manufacturing industries. It might just end up being cheaper to three pr- D print it here than sending the plans offshore and then shipping it all back, you know. Um, so yeah. we'll see. I, I, I like that a lot, mate. And and this this raises another point is I think with the the huge shift we're going to see in white collar work is the rise of gig the gig economy again. Um the and the gig economy is another form of decentralization uh, that's going to happen where people are potentially less bound to big corporates and, you know, more of on, on a contractual nature dealing with work that they want to deal with. Um, but I, I'm also, you, you're also looking at like some of the big tech companies and, even some of the, you know, not tech, but just the startup vibe companies getting around. And 
some of them have quite family sort cultures. So I think I think people will seek that out as well. And I think that will increase. So I think like the social cohesion and the family orientated businesses, even for big businesses, um, might take a take an increase there uh, because I think people are less accepting of uh, ludicrous positions, um, you know, working exorbitant hours with, you know, no work-life balance. I think, I don't think those days are numbered, but I think that them being totally ubiquitous across, across corporates is, uh, I think that's going to take a shift. Well, you're right. I mean, the other social institutions that perhaps used to fill, plug the gap of, yeah, okay, I'm getting fucked over at work, working in this factory, but uh, at least I'm, um, at least I get to go to church on Sunday or be with my family or have these other local community uh, sort of stuff. None of that really exists. Most people don't know their neighbours, let alone, um, you know, have that strong community. Uh, particularly people who live in cities, which is a vast, the vast majority of the um, the populations. So you know, work needs to fill more of those gaps, um, particularly with the amount of time we spend there. Um, but the exploitation of white collar workers is is something that's, you know, we were reading an article about last night. I forwarded you. It's a real. Th- it is a big thing now um, and it probably has some parallels to what the blue-collar work went through and still goes through, um, but certainly those that unionised kind of fixed a lot of that in Australia, but there's still heaps of it that goes on and a lot of exploitation. I'm not suggesting that, but nonetheless, it's not like early days in the Industrial Revolution, is it? But then... You've got these people working for big accountancies, working 14, 12-hour days, six, seven days a week. can't remember where we read this. This was definitely in a book. But if you can buy uh, a design from the greatest graphic designer or the top ten in the world um, through the internet, well, it's going to be really hard for, for me to compete with the best engineer in the world because I'm f- far from that. So... You know, you get globalised, you you might get forced out and it might become a winner-takes-all style uh, game that is pretty hard to compete in for your average person. This is this is spot on, mate. And then this brings us to the, the, the classic um, UBI argument where universal basic income. I don't think we're going to see it this decade, but I think okay. in the following decade we're going to start seeing real implementation of that. Can you explain what that means? I don't actually understand what that is. So effectively, mate, universal basic income is that everyone gets a guaranteed amount of income uh, to to live. And so effectively, you don't have to, to work uh, at all to get, not just get by, but to, to live um, at, a, at a basic level. And the reason that this gets increasingly spoken about is because of, you know, the obvious rise in a lot of this automation, a lot of this um, 
probably not artificial intelligence, more like general artificial intelligence, which is still a long, quite a long way away, um, but maybe getting quite a bit closer by the end of this decade. And this will be a, it'll be an overhaul. It'll completely change the way in which we do things. However, what kind of jumps out at me, mate, is uh, coupling coupling all this stuff with you know the likes of space and the likes of space travel, which we haven't gotten onto yet. Um, it's you know I, I see that there's going to be lots of opportunities continue to open up, and it's almost like once once humanity gets off Earth which is starting to look like more and more of a, a realistic thing. It, well, it was almost farcical a few years ago, even five years ago, I think. But, but some of the stuff that we've seen this year is just um, gobsmacking. And you know, if, if everything keeps well, continuing uh, the way it is in all of these various industries, then it's, we're going to see this. We're going to move to a, a space-going race. Well, maybe maybe what we do is, you know, we're at an hour now. So I reckon this has got another episode in it. So I think the teaser for the next episode is we're going to talk about space, health and getting around, so vehicles and, and transportation. And I reckon maybe we just cap this episode off. With a, a and, little bit, and I will say, mate, every okay. every single okay. one of those yeah. topics yeah. is is decentralisation is a core theme again. Now, just looking over them all, so uh, I think that's a there's a nice theme that we've picked up here. 